Hi, and welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. I'm Adam Huss, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for listening. The conversation I recorded for this episode covers viticulture, winemaking, and the philosophy of wine, and introduces at least one big idea, I want to say like at least five big ideas, about each of these topics that has not been discussed on this podcast yet. And since this is an international conversation, I wanted to mention our sponsor, Catavino Tours. They are based in Portugal and provide luxury wine food tours in Portugal and Spain. The owner, Ryan Opaz, has written multiple books about wine and has actually been knighted in Portugal for his work with wine there. Yes, that means you can take a tour and your guide could be a wine knight. If that isn't cool enough, the best part is that Ryan is committed to building his business in thoughtful, ecological ways that reduce or eliminate the waste and the carbon emissions caused by his tours. He also conducts tours that focus on natural, organic, and sustainable wineries. If that sounds interesting to you, check out Catavino Tours at catavinotours.com O-W-P. That's C-A-T-A-V-I-N-O, tours with an S dot com slash O-W-P for Organic Wine Podcast. And your travel can also benefit this podcast. My guest for this episode is Hans-Peter Schmidt. He goes by Peter Schmidt, and he is a director and faculty member for the Ithaca Institute, an international network for carbon strategies and climate farming. And he farms and makes wine from the amazingly named Mythopia ecosystem in Switzerland, which he also uses as a research vineyard for the Ithaca Institute. He's also involved in other wine growing projects around Southern Europe and has a pretty big reputation for his approach to wine. He may be the most non-interventionist or natural or naturalistic winemakers I've ever encountered. He does some things that people would think are strange in the vineyard, and people would think him crazy for some of the things that he does not do. You'll hear how this is even possible, and hint, it has to do with mindset as much as ecology. He also makes wine in a way that, once you hear its simplicity, could revolutionize your own winemaking. And if you end up making wine in a way that Peter does, Peter only requests that you send him a bottle to thank him for the idea. Sort of intellectual property royalty payment. I sure at least want to try a batch of wine the way Peter makes it, or really doesn't make it. Peter ends the conversation with a perspective, or or really a meditation, on how wine fits into the human story. So much of this conversation merely scratches the surface and gives us a glimpse of many beautiful things that we can begin to explore. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Enjoy. Hi, welcome. Peter, how are you? Yeah, cool. <laughs> Good day's <We're> end. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm uh, really glad that you made time to do this. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to, to finding out what you're up to. Um could you could you start by introducing yourself and just where you are right now? Uh just back in the Swiss mountains. Um I was uh in southern Spain close to Malaga, where we have a vineyard project. And uh, so it was a long drive home. Um, and from southern Europe with spring flowers to to snowy mountains. Oh, that's where I am now. I'm, I'm a kind of wine grower and winemaker here in Switzerland, um, yeah. doing some, some research in agriculture and climate. Um, well, I love, love to be outside and, and do the work myself. Um, that's a good day. Yeah. Uh, do you get a chance to do that? I mean, are you out there a lot? Or are you now more yes. involved in indoor activities? 
Yeah, no, I'm. I mean, I'm. Um, I do my outdoor activities daily, but um, not always in the vineyard. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm. I I try to do all all stages uh, with uh, with the people. I do. I still do all the cellar. Um, but then there are so many other projects, and time is. Yeah, time is a bit limited sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, do you want to give a, a, a list of kind of the things that you're involved in besides, yeah, I mean, so you're in, you're in Spain, you're, you're, I mean, Switzerland is your home base, I take it, and then you have a few other things going on. What is, what what has guided these projects? Like, why did they begin and, and what are you doing? Yeah, you see, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not the... Uh... A vine crower by by profession and uh, not by my family um i was engaged in in ecology mm-hmm. and but more like from theoretical side and ancient history and how civilizations crumbled because of um not being in agreement with 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 nature's um laws yeah, and so yeah, you know, from the outside and from far away, everything looks so clear. I mean, you, you know what could have been done uh, to right. avoid bad things, like you, you you know from the outside how you how to avoid a war in Ukraine. But when you are inside, um, it's very difficult to get out. And yeah. so so my idea was like you know I was I was. I was young enough to to um, to go around and, and not have just one guideline. So I thought that would be a nice idea to to check myself um, with a, with an agricultural project. Um, what's all about? You know, what's yeah. what's what's how does it feel when you wait for rain? Um, how does it feel when your neighbor sprays pesticides and you don't want to? get into war with him but you don't want to have these chemicals on your side right and how does it feel when you do everything wrong because you thought it was so just that you do it <laughs> <laughs> so you know so this this kind of reflections and and just the fun of of doing something new brought yeah. me to um, to to get into into growing into wine growing some 15 years ago now 2004 i think so are you in charge of multiple pieces of land then? Yeah, we, you know, uh, it, it really started just like this. Uh, we had the opportunity to buy uh, a nice piece of uh, land at the edge of the forest uh, with only a neighbor on the downside. Mm. And it was like, yeah, if, if we find a winner like this, we do it. We just yeah. do it. We just try it to to make it to make it our way. I mean, I I, I already did some wine just for family, um, some some small pieces, but to, to get yeah. really into it, it was like if we find by luck a good piece of land, um, and we found it. So and we we had the opportunity to buy it, and then we started it, and from there um we got piece by piece until we had like now it's uh three and a half hectares 
Yeah. Uh, it's in three pieces now. It's all deep slope, um, different expositions, uh, different altitude. So we are from 750 to 900 meter yeah. above sea level, and um, and it's all it's, it's just so beautiful from from the natural side. You you can see snow covered mountains all year long, and yeah. um, and there is there there was still nature. Even so, it was hampered by by chemical farming uh, in the surrounding. Mm-hmm. But when we when we transformed the vineyard, um, then it was quite quickly that biodiversity came back. You know, we yeah. all, all vineyards we bought it was naked soil, um, pesticides for at least twenty years, uh, herbicides, fertilizer, just just the, the way conventional farming is in most parts of the world yeah. still today. And, um, and then we changed, uh, guided by, by the idea, if, if, if you grow something delicious, you should at least be able to taste it when you are there and not, yeah. you know, <laughs> not taking off the chemical white cover of, on top of the skin of your fruits. Um, and so we, yeah, we, we planted trees and shrubs. Uh, we put in the green cover. We put, uh, yeah, it was like do do a lot of things. That's not wine. Uh, that will yeah. help the wine to become what it is. Right, right. And and then it was it, it came so quickly, you know. Already after a year, it was like butterflies coming back, bees mm. and all insects and um so so that's also because it's it's still in 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 this in this kind of wild nature that is preserved because of of the um, of the rough profile of these mountains you know it's right it's just deep, too, deep too valley down and yeah exactly yeah and is that mythopia that's mythopia yeah yeah and that how big is that yeah, in hectare-wise, it's like three and a half hectare, um, okay. which That's is always right. kind of funny because we, when we do other agricultural projects um, that has nothing to do with wine, it's <laughs> like three and a half hectare is like you know, it's it's not even agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> it's gardening. Yeah. But but what, when when you have uh, you know when you have a deep slope, forty-five degrees, and and it's it's like ten thousand square meters, and it it looks so big. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all, I mean forty-five degrees. Oh my god! Yeah. So yeah. so it's it it feels big, and if you show it to people, it feels big. But yeah, yeah it's 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 a tiny project, but it's it's also we never it was not our principal activity, and and we never wanted to make it. You know, growing to to make more out of it. Yeah, it, it should. You know, it's even a little bit too big. <laughs> um, but we 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 found some some land that was too beautiful not to, <laughs> not to <laughs> right. take. And then well, so, so it is. Yeah. So so the you know the 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 limit was always our our own work capacity. So right. For, for the most of the years, it's my wife, Roman, and I. We 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 just did it, the two of us. 
didn't didn't have workers so so that was our limitation um, right did you so you took these these were already vineyards that you took out of conventional production and basically just stopped all of the spraying uh fertilizing with chemical fertilizers and things like that and let them return to just a, a you know naturally farmed system is that correct am i getting that all right yeah it's, it's like you know we, we took we took half of the vines out to make more space right they were, they were planted in rows so one out of two rows we, we took out to get more light more space um gotcha. it was kind kind of densely planted anyway so so we get down from ten thousand to five four thousand uh plants per hectare okay um and replace so so they were all old vineyards and we replaced like missing missing vines we replaced with trees or shrubs um made places to to put vegetables and, and fruits in um yeah getting getting flower onions in the soil yeah also things that that are just fun to do yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not yeah. you know it doesn't need to be always productive right right and were you it sounds i mean like it sounds like you were also adding other things in other perennials in is that true were you adding other uh, yeah trees and things like that yeah a lot of fruit trees apple trees uh, plums uh, peaches quince um yeah whatever that grows so so like we have something like 50 trees in extra per hectare got it small smaller trees some, some bigger trees the edges uh end of the lines are always bushes and shrubs and um right. no at yeah, this time of year to make can it you... less yeah at this time of year, can you ski down the rows? No, that that that's some um, fifty years ago. Um, <laughs> okay. oh, you mean you don't get the snow down that far anymore? No, we can. We we still can ski on on uh, artificial snow uh, <laughs> over the house. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but so but in the in the it's rare days that there's some snow and it's uh, okay. it's all southern exposition. Even so. if there is snow, it, it melts away uh, quickly, uh, and it's right. it's all that you know on the, on the southern sides. Yeah, in January you can you can prune in, in t-shirts. So oh, it's kind of Mediterranean just, climate, right? Just a uh, higher elevation. Dry. Yeah, got it. And it, I mean, I'm looking at a picture that it looks like it's surrounded by the forest. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, the the higher edges is is all forest. The higher edges, okay. Yeah. Do you have any problems with uh, things that want to eat your grapes coming out of that forest on the edges and feasting? Sure. I mean, um, I mean, I don't see any fencing or anything. Preventing. No, it's it's like I, I count between fifteen and twenty percent loss. Okay, gotcha. On the edges is is like unavoidable. Yeah. I mean, I I could I I mean, you know, we we could start protecting everything. Uh, right. Making fences, which makes work more difficult. Um, right. And then it's you know these these animals they're they're part of 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 this ecosystem. And yeah. anyway, birds come, um, and and you have you, you know all the all the animals that live in the region 
from from deer to foxes to to um, yeah uh, boars they they all pass so well come and get what you want and leave something for me <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah no i i totally get that i i i yeah i like that i i like and you're not using bird netting either no no you know i we we did one year and then oh there were so many birds in the nets and uh because they tried uh, to pass and then uh then they are stuck and then you if, if you're right. not there to to get them out then um then they, they and, die yeah it's well i mean it's it's a luxury to to say well yeah 15 20 percent loss is you know anyway we have we have kind of tiny amounts that we produce right, right. Uh, per hectare and so the, the whole project is is not is not so much productivity right is is more like you know we we try to to give nature something that that we can learn on how it works yeah and 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 it, this I, I feel this is part of it but if i would need to live from it and you know it's if if i would have to feed my my kids with with the vegetables um that the animals from the forest take and i do not have enough then i would do some measures you know right but here it's this different yeah i yeah i, I how i i think about that a lot that, that like if you shift to your focus away from productivity you know, what do you do to augment that as a as a farmer if you had to rely on that are you is it i, I mean i assume you have a, another job that you just have to work so that this doesn't become the thing that you rely on to for survival is that is that the idea yes yeah i mean we we are, we are independent I, I lead the institute for, for ecology and climate so hmm. My income is generated from from my other work. Um, so, so Metopia should not be a burden to me because <laughs> why, why shall I do it? You know. Um, <laughs> right. So, so I mean, it's it, and and all all the wine growing. You know, if if you if you think uh, we make when in Metopia, Switzerland, we make something between eight and ten thousand bottles. So on, on the three hectares, okay. um, let's say we make three thousand bottles per hectare. Okay. Um, That's like a small take, year. Take an average alcoholic. You could you could provide five of them on <laughs> one hectare. <laughs> you know, but on the same time, you can feed uh, one person on on twenty percent of an hectare. Right. So it's, right. it's anyway, wine growing is luxury. Hey, I'm jumping in here to give a shout out to our sponsor, Vermont Vineyards. When I say our, I mean yours and mine. The support I receive from folks like our Patreon subscribers and our sponsors like Vermont Vineyards literally makes it possible for me to produce this show for you. Vermont Vineyards provides design and installation of vineyards of all shapes and sizes in Vermont, New England, and beyond. Vermont Vineyards aims to reduce stigmas attached to hybrid grape varieties and New England wine regions while bringing cold climate viticulture within reach and enjoyment. If you're considering planting a vineyard in the New England area, check out Vermont Vineyards at VT Vineyards. 
with an S, dot com slash OWP. That's all lowercase, vtvineyards.com slash OWP. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that. I, it sounded like where you were headed. And yeah, I think that too. It's like, why yeah why do we need wine growing to be this like highly intensive thing right it's not a survival you know agriculture at the moment you know i mean it's on a homestead i can see that where like you know this is one of your sources of calories it's it's the way that you're preserving you know some of the produce from the abundance of the year so that you can continue to consume it through the through the long winter perhaps but but if you're yeah, yeah. For most commercial winemaking, it's like why? Why does productivity need to be the highest goal? It's not. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be thought of completely differently. Um, which it sounds like you're you have the luxury to do in in one way, but also it's made you given you the ability to to think about it in a different way as well. Um, do, how does that affect some of the choices that you're making besides you know not using bird netting or fencing? Well, um, there's another aspect is like, um, if, if I, if I give nature so much power in my vineyard, um, nature should also look for itself a bit, you know, Mm. it should should not make me too much work. It should, I, I try to find a balance in, um, in this ecosystem. That means it should be very, uh, extensive. And I ideally I'm I'm not so often in the vineyard, you know. There's a lot of um work that a normal grower does that I wouldn't do anymore. And um so for me it's also a measure for for my success is how independent the vineyard is. Yeah. So, you know, every time I, I still need to to spray even if it's not like chemical pesticides, right? I, I just... have to do something against mildew or something. I, I every time I feel this is not my job, you know, I did something wrong because um, <laughs> why, why would would the wine need me, you know, to survive? Right. Right. <laughs> There's something wrong. So I'm, I'm I always feel when I when I do some some type of meaningless work, I think there's there's something wrong in the system. So I don't apply fertilizer um, because if if you apply fertilizer, the plants become weak and sensitive and then you have to spray and then they have too much grow in the leaves and then you have to, to green prune and then you take, take off leaves and then uh, it starts regrowing in, in the beginning of the summer when there's no water. So you have to irrigate. Um, (laughs) So, you know, this, this type of vicious cycle, We have yeah. to avoid, and I cannot yet avoid everything, but right. I get I get to less and less. And so putting putting net bird nets, um, that's a lot of work. That's oh, I think yeah. is meaningless work. Yeah. So so I wouldn't do it just just right. for this. Right, right. No, I I, I love that. I this is how I think too. I mean. I I joke that it's my laziness, but I think it is that perspective that you're actually talking about, which is like if it, if the system is right, it will take care of itself. You know, I just have to, you know, I I messed up in the inception of it, in the maybe in the conception of it, as well as in the installation of it or design of it somehow. If it needs me, 
you know, the, yeah. and it's sort of this process of weaning it away from me um, and my, you know, my influence on it to let it, yeah, be a, a thing that maintains itself. I love that uh, idea. And how how successful are you? I, I imagine you are growing vinifera in your vineyard. Is that correct? Yeah. And how successful are you at avoiding or weaning, you know, away from, you know, like a sulfur spray or something that you do to prevent mildew on the grapes? Um, well, in, in good years, uh, we are quite good. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, and when so, you say you... Go ahead, no, go ahead, please. Yeah, so so I normally I, I don't use sulfur. Okay. I hate sulfur because it, it it makes makes smell everything too bad, and I, I don't like to go in the vineyard and need to change my clothes after it. Right, right. You know, it's like like you go in the cow shed and you have to change after it. There's something <laughs> wrong with your cow shed. <laughs> so. That's a really good good rule of thumb. And so, copper doesn't smell too bad, um, but so like three three springs. Okay. with copper and then then the rest is we can do with milk uh we do fermented uh grape leaves um you do fermented do, grape leaves so like you yeah. when you're when you're out there sort of thinning the the canopy you yeah. collect that and you ferment it and then that becomes a, a, bi- yeah. like a biological spray yeah yeah i love this uh we will also use this for to add to the drip irrigation as acidifier and then you have lactic bacilli that stimulate um stimulate uh soil life and is Um, that is the the milk as well i've heard something about milk actually being an antifungal is that what you're finding as well yeah milk and whey we use whey which is cheaper has the same effect is is um is is a good treatment against mildew um, I've heard I've heard of I actually heard of one vineyard I don't know if you know of this but I, I heard of one vineyard who literally only uses skim milk that was their yeah thing is that what is, are you are you finding this yeah, is really effective yeah it is effective but it does not uh, work against powdery mildew powdery oh. so if if you are like in a in in this in a hot southern vineyard. Uh, yeah. Where you do not have uh, powdery mildew, uh-huh. you could, and and it's sunny, um, you could probably go through the season just with milk. Okay. Yeah. So like in in uh, in Malaga in, in Andalusia, we we have like one treatment per year, um, wow. and that's and that can be some just like milk. Um, and is it? And when you say milk, it's it's a, a di- it's either milk or whey. It's kind of like any sort of dairy yeah, liquid. There's, or, yeah, there's something. I even I I use goat whey. Oh, okay. And that also works. Um, so it's it's not identified what is uh, what is the the active molecule. Uh-huh. Uh, there are scientific studies um, about it that it really works, but yeah. but they didn't identify the molecule and and it works when you have light so with, with right. UV right. there's a that's reaction with too. UV and 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 something that's in in the milk and if it's uh, um 
if it's cloudy, then you can use um, uh, sodium hydroxide. Yeah. So that's huh. that works also very good. And it's yeah, it's you, you use it in bread, and it's nothing toxic. Yeah. Um, and so the and you're diluting the the milk or whey, right? Yeah. With water, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like ten percent. Uh, right. Use. That's what yeah. I heard. Yeah, that's this is what I've heard as well. That's fun. Um, the like your projects in Andalusia or and Malaga are they? Are you just consulting on them, or are these other pieces of land that you are doing the same thing that you did with with the original Mythopia, where you you took some conventional vineyards out of conventional production and you're converting them to just a natural system? Yeah, the, this project was a bit different. Um, so I'm I'm partner in it. I'm not uh, okay. the only owner. Um, and we, um, the idea was to replant a new vineyard as as a kind of model uh, for climate change. So it's like one of the hottest spots in Spain. Got it. Uh, regularly between 40 and 45 degrees in summer. Yeah. And so so we use trees for shading. Um, we have water recovery and subterranean trip irrigation with ferments and so it's a bit more high-tech everything um it's a company planting so even if it's hot it's now now it's all is green you know with green cover uh it's flowers it's um it's olive trees orange trees uh yeah every i mean essentially everything grows there it's just fantastic yeah Yeah. and um (laughs) And the interesting thing is, like, um, if we, we talk about the wines that result from it, is like the the wines from from Andalusia. So we call it Mitopia Andalusia. Is right. um, they they are very close to what we do in Switzerland from the tasting. Okay. They are much closer to to the Mitopia style of wine than than Spanish wine. Oh. It, even so, the climate is completely different. Uh, but because of the, I mean, the one thing is the winemaking, but it's also the biodiversity is is um, is, is the, the the entire way on working with the ecosystem. Yeah, um, makes um, makes these wines kind of similar. That that's currently also the the project that that I'm quite fond of. Uh, I want to do same thing in in France, so to have like three different climate zones, three different soils, completely different terroir, um, by making three kind of similar wines. <laughs> because in the end, it's about um, you know it's this natural product, and if if you make it in a certain way, you make a self of sulfide free wine, natural wine um then then we talk differently about what is terror uh, right I, I think this is you know the, the talking about terror is is too much about geology yes and and I don't think that geology is so important in the end no that's a I, yeah we we forgot about the biology or and i I would say that like the human culture that yeah. I mean, yeah, like I mean the way that you are farming, like if you're 
doing some conventional vineyard it doesn't really matter what the geology is you know your 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 ego and the culture that it grew out of is as much of an impact as the geology and you you've eliminated biology from the picture pretty much um yeah yeah and and you know i mean uh the vine plant is, is kind of it's an individual plant yeah and uh it makes the best out of situation you know yeah uh it's like us <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm 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 happy here in switzerland if if i'm in spain i'm you know i'm still the same person <laughs> doing my best uh <laughs> my daily life so so i think there's there's is more about the adaptation of the plant to um, changing environments that's interesting yeah. than the environment itself yeah that's really interesting um when you make decisions about you know how to are, are you putting in new vineyards anywhere or have you had that experience of putting in a new vineyard or are you have you just worked with something that's already existing that you're you're changing the the you know the way yeah. that it's yeah, in in Spain, this uh, this vineyard is newly planted. There w there was no vine in the region uh, for for some centuries, so that, that's new planting. And are you working um, with with variety? Like, are you trying to breed and select for varieties that are better adapted in that heat, or and, you know, to potential change yeah, the, climate change? No, I, I, that that would be very interesting. It's all, always on my on my bucket list to um, to do it uh, from the seeds, yeah, and to find it. But um, yeah, it never pushed it that far yet. So um, how are you? What what kind of what's your process for decision making about how to design and and plant and you know what to do there, what to you know what to include in that system when you do a new <laughs> that new thing? Yeah. Um, you will be you disappointed have. because <laughs> you know, in, in fact i i don't really care about um what variety it is oh i don't either that's great that's funny. you know if, i i like pinot but i like syrah i like Grenache. i i I, yeah. I like them all you know and yeah, yeah. and I, I i like how they come at different places yeah and so i i don't think that there is a place that's particularly perfect for for whatever variety i think uh if you do if, if you create a good environment any variety will will prosper and make an interesting wine and you don't know when you start you don't know right yeah and sometimes it seems like you know different wine different vines want to express the fruit in different ways like and that is a like a seller choice where you're like you might make a red in one area with a, a, with the same grape that in another area you do something differently. You make a sparkling, you know, like off skin yeah. wine in a different area. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's fun. Well, let's talk. Can, can we talk a little bit about the winemaking that you do? Because what's unique about your winemaking? Um, yes, you don't need to study to do it. Um, <laughs> I can explain it um, in two minutes, and everybody can do it. It's very easy. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and as you know, so, sometimes uh, people say, "Yeah, but you should not 
talk about it so much because it seems so <laughs> everybody can copy it. But I, I, I'm happy if someone copies it because then there would be more good wine out there. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, you know, um, in Spain, we put the tank, like 1,000 liter tank. Uh -huh. um, we put in a vineyard, we harvest, we put the grapes in and uh, we close it and put it in the cellar. And yeah. then uh, before the next harvest, we press it. <laughs> so wait, whole clusters? The uh... yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's like a carbonic uh, yeah. maceration, but for one year. And because you put it in the vineyard into the tank, you have no influence from the cellar. So it's right. only only what's white that comes in. Right, and then, right. And then we age it for for a long time. Four years, five years, uh, in uh, in oak or in in, in porous. Right, and, just to um, uh -huh. yeah, and that you get this slow oxidation, and that makes the wine stable. So you don't need to add anything; you just need time. Do you? Uh, so it, the carbonic maceration helps exclude oxygen in the tank. Do you? I mean, do you need to start a starter in that, or or does no. it just? start it starts itself once you yeah, get everything starts. loaded in yeah the, you, the weight, you get the weight of it expresses right. some juice yeah yes and then your it ferments inside the berries so right. when you open it you you eat um you eat the berry and you have the wine inside and every right. berry ha has its own wine and right. and it's protected by the skins so. right right well that is pretty easy and awesome yeah. i think that's one of the cooler ideas i've heard um, and then, yeah, the long aging, definitely. So that's it. You're not, you don't need to add sulfur at that point because it's stabilized. Is anything turning to, to vinegar at that point? Like when you're, no, you, 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 it, you don't it have a problem not, with that. No. And it, 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 even, you know, we, we, we do some, some really weird stuff, um, like keeping the barrel open for, uh -huh. for some years. Um, oh. so it, it kind of evaporates part of it. It super oxidizes. Yeah. Um, the reds become white because they lose color, but they are so stable. And if you taste them uh, blind, you would never think that's a 10-year-old wine <laughs> that was exposed to oxygen. Once, once the wine is, is so stable, yeah, it, it defends itself. Right. It's like... It, it yeah. works really good with the whites. With the whites, it goes much quicker than with the reds. Uh, okay. So if you have like like uh, this disobedience uh, Chasla wine that we do, um, you can keep the bottle open for half a year. You drink it. <laughs> That's it's amazing. fantastic. You know, well, you, you it, drink. It... You you take you take one glass every month, and it's a pleasure every month that changes a bit. Right. You know, the wine changes a bit. But it's it's always wine. It's always a pleasure. And is so? Is it expressing the, a sort of matterized, like oxidized flavors? Then, or are you keeping freshness in it? Yeah, you keep a lot of freshness, but you work with uh, with secondary aromas, especially okay. in the in the whites. So the whites become kind of orange color. Okay. And um, and sure, you have this secondary aroma. Whole yeah. cluster for every grape, right? So you're, yeah, you're... yeah. It's now. I mean, it's 
you know, now, now it sounds super simple, which is beautiful and I love it. Uh, it, it took, <laughs> it took more than 10 years to get to this point. <laughs> kind of investment. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, well, I mean, that is, uh, this is the other thing about wine where it's like, I, yeah, I just, you know, for those, there is this big upfront investment that you hope, you know, it's already seems really long when you're a winemaker to wait like the two years, like till you can, you know, sell that first wine, you know, that you harvested two years ago. Yeah. But the reality is it probably would benefit from even longer most times, right? And you're, yeah. and that's what you're, especially in the style of winemaking that you're doing and stabilizing it. So it's that time, that time is really critical. And you're, so how long is it be, you know, what is the average length before bottling from harvest for your wines? Uh, it's four years. Four, four years. To five years. Yeah. Four to five. Okay. So... This year it was like I we bottled 2018 in end of 2022, so that's only four years. Yeah. Um, but that, that's um, let's say the, the wines we did uh, we did like ten years ago. Uh, we did not do this whole bunch kind of fermentation. Okay. And I needed more time to make the wine stable. Huh. And now I. I gain, I gain one to three years, depending on the wine. Okay. Um, in fact, the wine is already stable when you press it after one year. Um, it's very impressive. It's different. It's the, it, it's, you know, it, it has not this ox slow microoxidation right. uh, from the aging, but the wine is, is, already, is already stable. Okay. I, I prefer it four years later. Yeah. Um, but, but you can drink it and it's, it's, um, it's more, it's young, it's fine, it's balanced and, and you, you can keep it open for several days without it turned. But I still, um, uh, do the aging, but I need less time now. Huh. Okay. And but do you... I, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I always keep some wines for longer and, um, and do this. So we, we have wines from, um, we bottled 2009, uh -huh. um, just like before the, of the winter, before the winter. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like to, to keep some stuff to, to see what happens. And, yeah. and, and time, time's your partner with winemaking. Yeah, it really is. I've, <laughs> I, coming from somebody who has very, is, probably the worst kind of patience to have as a winemaker um it, it's definitely learning that <laughs> uh, luckily time seems to pass a lot faster as you get older um <laughs> yeah it's true and, and but you know yeah yeah it's it's a luxury that you develop um yeah. to wait with the wines and to care for your impatience with other projects Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I wanted to go back. I forgot to ask you, when you say you don't fertilize, are you not using animals, not using compost, not using any kind of inputs, compost teas or anything that might add fertility back into the soil? I'm jumping in here one more time to let you know about our sponsor, Oom. Oom is the first company of its kind that has addressed the ecology of the glass wine bottle and come up with a solution to do it better. 
by collecting, removing labels, cleaning, and allowing winemakers to acquire ready-to-fill used glass bottles. This eliminates a huge source of waste for the wine industry and massively reduces the emissions footprint of the glass wine bottle, which has been a real black mark on the wine industry. Until Oom came along. If you need glass bottles, check out Oom at Oom.Earth. That's O-O-M dot Earth. And use referral code OWP when you contact them and let them know you heard about them on the Organic Wine Podcast. Um, normally not. So we, we okay. have we have this green manure system with legume plants. Right, right. Um, so yeah, they're right. So cover crops is, are providing. Yes, that's that's enough. Um, okay. For for vineyards that are well implanted, you know, that's 30, 40, 50 years plus. Um, usually they are balanced. They they, they have the roots right. deep, yeah. deep down in the schist, and they don't need it anymore. Right. Um. For for the wines that we planted in 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 Spain, it was like we have we had to invest into the recovery of the soil. Uh, also, in some places we had to to dig some terraces, and then yeah. and there there we worked with uh, with compost, with biochar. Uh, we always used the ferments in the drip irrigation. Yeah. Um, I I also like I I really like um subterranean drip irrigation um you know you need you need tiny amounts it's like like a liter per plant yeah. already makes a huge difference and and because you get this lactobacilla down to stimulate um that's something that i i really like but it's not absolutely necessary yeah yeah i really like that i you, i mean going back to our our mutual you know, laziness or desire for the system to, you know, have its own resilience and care for itself. Um, are you playing around with hybrids or, you know, resistant varieties that, you know, since you don't care about varieties, like, have you introduced those as a way of, you know, something that has that built-in resistance so you literally wouldn't need to spray um, probably from the beginning? Yeah, I, I, I planted quite some white hybrids. Okay. Um and um yeah it's yeah i mean the, the idea is I, I like it it's clear that i like it uh on the on the other way it's always for me is like vinifera is, is still this challenge you know ah, <laughs> i get it yeah. to make you know <laughs> to make a great pinot uh with my system and um and do not need too much intervention yeah. Um, I, I, it took me a long time until I, I planted the hybrids. It was just like, it, it was my honor to, to show I can do it with Vinifera. Got it. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I didn't want to have these excuses of others that they say, yeah, you can do it because you do hybrids, but we don't like hybrids. Right. So right. we do chemicals and I say, no, I, I, I do, I do Pinot. That makes sense. That actually is a, that's a good, I like, I like that idea of like, uh, it is a challenge. I mean, <laughs> I like that. And let me, and just jumping around a little bit, but back to your winemaking, when you have whole clusters on, you know, I, I'm guessing they're pretty mushy by the time you get around to pressing them then, or are they still full clusters at that point? 
Yeah, it depends where they are in the tank. You know, the the upper ones they are completely Still. intact. Wow. Okay. You, know, you you can crunch on them. Wow. Um, we that we we um, we uh, took some of of these bunches and put it into into classes. Um, yeah. And then uh, we we send it to to some of the restaurants that have our wines. And they right. serve they serve the fermented uh, berries. This <laughs> <Okay. laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and you might you you crunch on them, and they're very, super tasty. But uh, back to your questions, they are um, yeah, they are um, pretty intact. That those those that are lower down, that they swim in the in the juice. Right. So you have like if you have a thousand liter tank. Half of it will be juice. Nearly right. half of it will be juice after a year. So yeah. that means most of it got out, um, but and 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 swims in the wine. And are you having crazy tannins, or do does the tannic structure resolve itself after with that amount of time? Yeah, that's that's really interesting because that, that was thinking that it becomes too tannic, especially also with with the bunches. Right, right. But the, in fact, yeah, stems well. what what you do is is you ferment the bunches. So instead of extracting raw fennels when you press whole bunches uh-huh. too early, um, the bunches are fermented. It's like sauerkraut, you know. You can um, uh-huh. it's, or it, it's like kimchi if you like if it. you prefer to talk about <laughs> sauerkraut. So in in a kind of way, we do wine kimchi. And, um, so you're talking the stems are are sort of become this fermented thing. Yeah, stem, the stems are fermented, and um, and if you press them, they do not become bitter, and it's very gentle the wine. So huh. um, yeah, that's amazing. Well, yeah, I think you might have just have spawned some new um, <laughs> makers of that kind of wine so hopefully we'll have some more good wine out in the world it would be beautiful S- send a <laughs> bottle around uh, that would be that would be really my pleasure is like I, I think you can make with this method you can make so fantastic wines and that would be so much fun to yeah I, I mean to start I love drinking your... other wines i love the attempt to to just get the the actual terroir from the vineyard by moving the tank out there as well i mean do you clean it out there on site so that you're literally like you know the right after cleaning the very first thing that touches it is the grapes or like yeah that that would be pushing it a bit further (laughs) right right you're not that crazy probably yeah you you sometimes you have to work with people, you know, and then you have to explain why to do stupid things. And <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> but you know, the, the the tanks they come out in the vineyard. Uh, they are in the sun. Um, oh, true, true. Yeah, they're getting cooked. It's, it's August. Uh, bacteria they are cooked at forty five degrees. So. Yeah. Probably that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That is really great. No, I, that's that's yeah. I think that's really interesting. But it also might explain why some of your wines taste similar, since that that style is probably a pretty you know, dumb. I mean, it probably is a very distinctive style yeah. uh, in terms yes. of what it does to the grapes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's really interesting. Well, I mean, can people? 
interact with your wines or with you or anything online? Like, is there, you know, what is the best way for people to learn more about this? I think we've probably whetted the appetites of lots of people to, to find out more about what you're up to. Uh, yeah, I think that the, the best way is, is to, um, to get, uh, to get a vineyard transformed into a garden and make a wine and send me a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I will respond to this. <laughs> I like that. I think that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> um, you all, your your and website. You know, is... I I would I I uh, there are Good. so many people that would love to uh, to get hand on these wines. You know, make. make Make a Mitopia style wine, and, and yeah, um, and you, you can sell it to a good restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no joke. Uh, what's your so w- your your production? It sounds like it varies a lot because you're you're hands off in the vineyard as much as in the cellar. So it depends on you know how many birds ate grapes that year and how many how the the vintage was that kind of thing. So do you have a average production each year? from what you're working yeah, with? Yeah, in, in fact, it, it doesn't vary. It doesn't oh. vary a lot because, you you know, every year you have something unexpected, but it's every year something different. Right. So yeah. um, so it balances. Right. And so, you should, I mean, we, we are pretty stable for the last 10 years. So sometimes there's some... Um, some icy weather, weather in, in spring. Sometimes there's a bit more mildew. Sometimes um, there are more animals because harvest is earlier. So we, uh-huh. we always have, you know, if harvest is very early, we have more birds that did not leave for Africa yet. Uh, um, I see. If, gotcha. if, if the harvest is in October, it's pretty much preserved. So... Huh. It's like every year something, and in the end, we're pretty stable. Huh, gotcha. So, and what's that production? What's your total? Yeah, it's it's around 8,000 bottles. 8,000 bottles, uh, yeah, you yeah, mentioned that. Yeah, something like okay. this. Uh, it's also because sometimes we plant something new, and that makes more the variation. Um, right. But, yeah. Yeah, it's it. pretty pretty like this. Nice. Um, I'm I'm guessing it's only available there is it are you exporting yeah we yeah we export a lot i mean we yeah. we, we love we love to to get it um blended to different cuisines and to to different people and so yeah it's we we send it to most oh, of yeah, the we... countries that that uh, are engaged in in wine culture something to Asia, America, Europe, Australia. Yeah. We we don't have Africa. Um, they're, they're interesting Asiatic countries. Of uh, even like Malaysia, you would think they don't. They are not so much in wines. Yeah, that's that's that's. I love I love this. I love this. To, well, what I don't like is, I mean, the, the wines are pretty expensive. Um, okay. So. Well, I try to keep them still affordable in a certain way, but they are in the end when they when they travel half half the world, they are expensive. Right, and that makes the selection of people that drink the wine, mm, which is a bit of kind of pity. So yeah, 
So I preserve some wines for people that cannot pay it. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But, you know, that's why I also, you know, people can make the same wines um, like with the method I just explained in two minutes. <laughs> and so you you get fantastic wine yourself and you don't need to buy expensive wine. <laughs> right, right. You'll put yourself out of business. Um, yeah, it looks like, I mean, I'm just looking here in the U.S. It looks like... Uh, Every, I mean, all the shops listed on your site are in or restaurants are listed in in New York, um, but maybe it, maybe it's beyond that. I don't know. But I will I will now be on the lookout. And uh, great. And that and where I'm looking is Mythopia.ch. Yep. Is that it? Great. Great. Um, any any thought? Can I just ask as a as a closing final thought? How did your mind move? to this direction of looking at wine and, and working with, you know, the, the, the landscape and, and the kind of winemaking that you do, wine growing and winemaking. How did you, what was that journey that took you there? Um, so many things? No, no, it's, no? it's not so much. I think, um, um, maybe this is a bit impolite to say, but I'm not so much interested in wine. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> and um and I um I, I love all that's that's you know, that's the the vineyard make it a lush place to make the wines that you know, I, I love I don't like wine tasting but I love drinking. Mm. So you know, if 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 you only have a, a glass um you don't know the wine because the wine is 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 what you know you you get you get into a kind of relationship with the wine and it influences your thinking and your feelings and um yeah. and you sh you should never regret this partnership with your bottle you know? yeah um and, and and all this is is fascinating and 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 I like it and but I I don't take it too important yeah, because in the end, it's only wine. Yeah, <laughs> and as we started talking about the luxury of uh, of making a couple of bottles on land that could also make food, mm -hmm. is like um, no, it, it's luxury does not mean it's it's um, it's not good. Luxury yeah, means means for me it's it's an expression of of human identity. You know, we don't only do things that are useful. We we are here to make things that are not useful. We we are here. That that's <laughs> that's in a, that's because we are humans to make things yeah. that make no sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I love mind making because it's just part of this thing that makes no sense. Huh. But fun. That is, that's really beautifully said. Yeah, I, I remember I, I was visiting um, Sicily, and if anybody gets a chance to go, go to Taormina, and go to go to the Greek theater or the Roman amphitheater, and it's it's this you know thousand seat amphitheater carved into the the cliffs over the Mediterranean. And the backdrop of the stage that you that you would have been looking at 
as you know performers performed the backdrop of the stage is looking down the coast at mount etna you know with the smoldering top of mount etna really just right above the level of the top of the stage which like you know during eruptions i'm sure would up up you know upstage the <laughs> actors and and it was i was just overwhelmed by the sense of like clearly this place was not built with functionality or convenience or, or productivity in in mind you know like this whole thing was a monument to the aesthetic aspect of life are uh, the aesthetic aspects of life the, the, that yeah. thing that you're saying the human side and yeah that's i'd love to think of wine that way that's a really beautiful beautiful thought thanks for thanks for sharing that thank you for this uh beautiful conversation uh it's a laugh and how you bring me <laughs> to express things that I m may have thought, um, but th thanks to you, I, I expressed it and hear heard myself saying it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Thank you for it. <laughs> Thank you for it. I hope uh, uh, the others will enjoy it too. Um, Bye, Adam. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening, and a huge thanks to those of you who have subscribed to the Organic Wine Podcast Patreon page. You've been a huge help in making this podcast possible, both financially and just the inspiration that you give me. And it's humbling, and I'm so grateful. We're actually getting close to paying for the hard costs of websites and fees that are necessary to have a podcast. Of course, there's still lots of costs involved. My time is not paid for, but... It's really nice to just have some of those monthly bills covered. I'm extremely grateful for and humbled by your support. And if you aren't a Patreon subscriber, the link is in the show notes. And I've created a support page at organicwinepodcast.com with that link, as well as other ways you can support this podcast. Thank you so much for whatever you can do.